Welcome to the Yale University Press Podcast. I'm Jessica Hollihan, one of the podcast hosts. It's my privilege to talk to guests that include art historians, curators, and artists who are involved with our books on art and architecture. And today it's my great pleasure to talk to Lisa Volpe, the curator of photography at the Museum of Fine Arts, Houston. Her latest project is America and Other Myths, photographs by Robert Frank and Todd Webb, 1955, which is an exhibition currently on view at the Museum of Fine Arts Houston and the title of the beautiful accompanying exhibition catalog. Lisa, your introductory essay in the book is really lovely and incredibly informative. And so I'd like to ask you to start by giving our listeners a little bit of background on the premise of this exhibition and the photographers that it features. Oh, well, thank you for the compliment. <laughs> um, I'd love to explain it a little bit. Um, I, uh, in 1955, two photographers funded by Guggenheim Grants really set out to discover America. And this exhibition and catalog is the story of what they found on that journey. Um, many of us, especially those uh, photo historians or photo nerds, as I like to call us out there, know, of course, about Robert Frank and his famous 1955 Guggenheim trip that resulted in one of the most famous photo books of all time, The Americans. But many of us do not know about Todd Webb, who had a Guggenheim grant the same year also chose to go cross country and also chose to look at this endlessly fascinating and weird thing we call America. And their approaches to these epic projects differed in many ways, um, but they found similar things on their journey. The journeys transformed them in similar ways. And this exhibition and catalog are the first time that these two projects um, done at the same moment, um, thinking about the same things, have been brought together. And honestly, many of the web photos have never been seen before. So I hope that this comparison not only sheds a little more light on Todd Webb, but also gives us a better understanding of Robert Frank at the same time. Yeah. So as you said, the, the approaches do differ, although on paper, the ideas look very similar. Um, can you talk about some of the key differences? I mean, what, I, if, if you don't mind starting with the one possibly apocryphal one of shoe choice and then maybe going into a more serious direction, I'd appreciate that. <laughs> sure. Um, shoe choice is very interesting because it, it speaks so much um, to their personalities and to the um, aftershocks of their work. So Todd Webb um, was the older figure here um, in our story of two characters. He was 49 years old, American. Um, he had been working in photography for just a little bit after a long career in many other fields, um, but he found photography and absolutely loved it and decided he wanted to go cross country. And so to do that, he bought a pair of army surplus boots and they're just 
regular kind of walking boots, you know, if you think about what the army would supply to new recruits, they're kind of the basic version of what you will need to um, walk, um, because Webb was planning to walk and boat and bike across the country. Um, Now, Robert Frank, the second character in our story, uh, he's uh, 30 years old at the time, so a younger generation. He's Swiss-born. He has always really wanted to be an artist, a photographer. He didn't have that, you know, searching period in his life that uh, Todd Webb did. And his choice for going cross-country was by car. He felt that was the most American thing to do. And his shoes that he chose for the journey were these red and yellow leather wingtips, just the brightest, boldest kind of shoe that you can imagine. Now, I love the comparison between these shoes because, you know, army surplus boots, red and yellow leather wingtips says so much about their different personalities. Um, Webb is, you know, the more humble character. Frank loves, you know, kind of these crazy moments and he embraces a bit more chaos. Um, But what I find also very interesting and very telling is that no one can prove those are Robert Frank's shoes, these red and yellow wingtips. They just have been sitting at the Visual Studies Workshop in New York, and that is the myth that's now been applied to them. So I thought this was a great starting point to talk about these two men, their personalities, their choices for moving cross-country, and also the myths that surround not only Robert Frank, but this kind of activity, going cross-country, the myth of hitting the road in America, what we think we're going to see, and how we think we're going to emerge from the road trip at the end. So it just seemed like the perfect starting point of their shoes. How how would you characterize what each of these men anticipated encountering and being able to document through the photography that they would take as they traveled across the country? I think that their Guggenheim applications tell us so much about what they thought they would encounter because, you know, clearly written before they take off um, on their journeys, though I would note both of them were so focused on completing this task, on going cross-country, that both photographers actually started their projects before they learned they had gotten the Guggenheims. Um, but in their application, again, we see how they have different perspectives and points of view. Um, Webb is very much interested in a history of America and how it plays out in the present. So how we have inherited certain legacies as Americans. Frank is more interested in how the successes of the present will spread in the future to other countries or increase in uh, frequency and uh, volume here in America. And so, you know, these two men interested in past and present, present and future. Um, but in also in their applications, we learn they anticipate they will find a bit of conflict on the road. Um, Frank especially talks about um, the subject matter he hopes to photograph, and he talks about the man who has two cars and the other who has none. 
Um, so they are set up for kind of the contradictions of America, ideas of consumerism and power, but what they encounter on the road and the true um, hierarchies of the American system, the true dynamics of the social structure, they are a bit horrified by both of them. And so the the title, America and Other Myths, which is very evocative, is that primarily a reference to the ways in which they both encountered a degree of disillusionment? I, I wondered also if it referred to the, at this point, sort of mythical America that you see when you page through this book or when you visit the exhibition. It's it's both of those things and a few more things. Yes, it's about um, the myths of America, many of which we become familiar with through imagery and through photography, especially. Um, photography has always been an agent of American mythmaking. Um, and both men were very uh, aware of that. Um, the myths we hold about 1955, certainly as this carefree, amazing point in American history, um, proved to be more complicated than we uh, might have imagined. Um, the myths surrounding both photographers, um, there were some people that certainly knew Todd Webb had a Guggenheim in 1955, but they had made assumptions about why they had never seen those works. And so I'm trying to unravel that myth. And then clearly the myth of Robert Frank, um, who, if you ask most photographers or most photo historians or most photo nerds, they will say that Frank was a curmudgeon. Um, his approach was pure critique. But again, the truth is something more complicated and beautiful than that. And Frank really was looking for hope in everything that he did. So it's all these myths kind of tangled around the idea of America that these men were looking for and at, at in 1955. I want to ask you to digress just for a minute here. You do touch in the book on the the reason that um, Todd Webb is not as well known, at least not until the 20 teens sometime. Would you tell that story? Absolutely. Um, the story of photos history is still being written, and I find that so exciting. Um, we can trace photo histories back to really – um, it, at full force in the 1970s, um, when photography as a field of study, um, as an art form, is really entering the you know colleges, the academies, books are being written, people are looking at things at that moment. So if your work is no longer available at that critical moment when the histories are being written, you are not present in the histories. And that's kind of what happened to Todd Webb. Webb um, made a deal with a collective, a group of um, gallerists um, who wanted to buy his whole archive. Um, he made this deal. They paid him some of the money, though not all of the money. And his archive then went into trunks and kind of was hidden from view. So at this very critical moment, his work is not available. Now, it's interesting to note that Frank encountered these exact same gentlemen 
also sold um, a portion of his um, body of work to them and also ended up making a deal for his copyright with them. But Frank was a bit more aggressive in getting back what was his and fought to get his copyright back and retain his artistic voice. And so um, was able to do that eventually. But it's just an interesting um, look to at the myths we tell ourselves about the history of photography and how we know the major figures. Um, but in 1955, at the time of this project, Webb was the bigger figure in the history and the practice of photography. And so it's interesting to ask the question, why isn't he better known today? Well, through their, through their road trips, um, which are documented in various ways, Webb kept a, a journal of sorts and uh, Frank sent letters. Um, and afterward, they both expressed various kinds of dismay about the consumerism and commercialism that they encountered across the country, which seemed interesting to me, partly because prior to their trips, they had both spent time in New York City and worked in commercial photography in New York City um, and seemed well aware of the ways that commercialism and consumerism manifested themselves within that field at the time. Do you think that they believed that they would find something very different elsewhere? I do think they they believed they would find something different. Um, as you point out, they both worked in commercial photography. Um, it was their day job. They didn't enjoy it, neither of them. Um, they really thought of themselves as artists and their artistic style and approach to photography was very out of sync with um, contemporary commercial photography. So it was always a, a, an area of friction for them. And I think because they didn't like working in commercial photography, they kind of had a, a or they looked at it from a different angle. And I think they didn't believe in it. And so they didn't think it worked perhaps as well as it did. And I also think that despite the fact that they were skeptical of some American ideologies as they played out in the photography of Life magazine, for example, um, they also bought into it in a certain way. I think they both believed that the center of the country, the Midwest, suburbia was truly the heart of the country and that they would find something slightly different there. Um, but what they encountered was the same, you know, commercialism and conspicuous consumption that they found everywhere else. And Webb describes it as material prosperity, but spiritual poverty. And Frank just starts a list, you know, everything that is made and sold and consumed, it's broken and used up and smashed to pieces and thrown away and left to rot. And then we just buy more. Um, so they were both a little shocked. They had bought into the myth of the heart of America also and were, you know, surprised by the truth of it. Mm. One of the other things I wondered if... Uh... Their, their time spent in New York City um, affected, you know, affected the, the photographs they took because the, the sense of space 
in so many of these photographs is just remarkable and feels very different from, you know, one's experience in New York City, which is both full of people and full of buildings and feels um, pretty claustrophobic a lot of the time. Um, is that anything that either of them wrote about or talked about? It's not exactly, though it does bring up a really fascinating point in that, you know, in both photographers' work, both epic journeys across the country, neither of them is producing kind of a pure American landscape in the way we think of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think that might be because of their time in cities um, and their interest in people, especially. Um, that they have a different idea of space and closeness and um, relationships. And certainly it becomes evident when you look for a landscape in their work and you cannot find one. <laughs> right, right. And yet, the, and yet the, the sense of the space is there, even though, if, even though the, the focus of the photographs is people and buildings and things like this. Absolutely. Yeah. Both men were amazing photographers, very different styles, certainly. Their personalities dictated their method of moving in the country. Um, so Webb, you know, that more steady personality, the army surplus shoes, decides to walk and boat and bike across the country. And so as you would expect then, his photographs are a little more still Um, a little more carefully composed. Um, He took about 10,000 negatives across the country. Whereas Robert Frank, he's younger, he's more enthusiastic, he's a bit more quick to um, make, you know, a decision and drives a car rapidly on these little rapid trips across the country and um, takes almost 30,000 negatives. So he's shooting at a much higher rate. And the style of their photography then becomes reflective of all of that. And yet both men were able to do really anything. They could have chosen different styles if they want to. And you can see them flexing those muscles a little bit at different moments. You know, Frank will compose a composition a little more carefully at some time, you know, and Webb will really just try and get the shot at other times. So they could have done both, but they're choosing specific styles for specific messages and ones that, again, we can trace back to their personalities. You write in the book about uh, Webb growing sort of increasingly frustrated with um, his the sense that he he wasn't able to produce the kind of images he was hoping to do or to achieve to to you know create the kind of message that he thought he was going to find, um, and that he, that there was a a shift sometime around when he visited Georgia O'Keeffe in New Mexico. Um, Will you talk about that? Absolutely. Um, Webb, again, walking from east to west. So if you just, you know, put a map of the United States up in your mind right now and think about his start in New York City, it takes him to New Mexico before he actually stops for any sort of extended break. Um, So he's really going through the country at a pretty good rate on foot. And at 
uh, O'Keefe's Abiquiu home. She knows him, they're friends, and she insists that he spend some time, that he needs to rest. It's very clear that this journey is taking it out of him. And I think that is the first moment that he stops moving and stops photographing and stops doing long enough to really think about what it is he hasn't seen, but what it is he has seen. And so while he didn't find this kind of American lineage or this respect for the past playing out in the present, what he found was this unending commercialism. Again, as he says, this material prosperity and spiritual poverty, this need for everyone to keep up with the Joneses, and the idea that the practice of American freedom is somehow in consumption. And it's the first moment he has a chance to stop and think about all of that. And he does, and he comes out of uh, O'Keeffe's Abiquiu home with a clearer vision of what he has seen and what he he will continue to capture along his journey. And it's exactly that. It's this practice of consumption and how it has taken over American life. But Webb is also a bit too gentle to be as overtly critical as Frank is at times. And what he chooses to do instead is seek out images that poke gentle fun at all of these ideas. And in his previous work, you know, as he's walking, those are the images he also pulls out, the ones that have this element of humor to them, you know, this rodeo with half empty stands, but more American flags than you can possibly count. (laughs) As if like, you know, having 20,000 American flags makes it more American. Um, A bar um, that seems like a tough guy bar, but there's a bubblegum machine on the bar and uh, Coke bottles underneath. Um, So it's really about this gentle humor. And that's how he wants us to make the realization by realizing the absurdity of all of this at times. Do you feel at this point that there's anything to be gained by looking at these images in the frame of them having been taken by an American versus someone who spent his childhood in Europe or was, you know, had Frank, had Robert Frank spent enough time in the United States at that point that that he seems to have been photographing what he did from a similar vantage point that Todd Webb had? I think it plays out, this difference in background certainly plays out in their personality and how they, in the end, decide how to wrap up their visions of America. Um, one of the myths of Frank is that He was brand new to the United States in 1955 that, you know, this was all a journey of discovery. And that's not true. Again, that's one of the myths that surround him. He had lived in the U.S. previously. Um, He knew what he was looking for a bit. Um, He was surprised by what he found, but he knew what he was looking for. Um, And I think the other point of comparison between them is that Webb, being American, being a a white man, and having had 
infinite careers, really. He was a forest ranger. He uh, was a gold prospector. He worked in a bank. You know, he did have this stronger belief in the American system of upward mobility because he had never crashed and burned himself. Um, So he had that faith kind of built in and was a little shocked when he saw the cracks in that um, as he traveled. And so I think that that is a bit more um, of what we need to think about when comparing them a Mm -hmm. little um, again, it goes back to this idea of American ideology. For Webb, it was truly part of him because he had experienced it his whole life or lived it in certain ways. And for Frank, it was a little less um, at the surface. And you write about how Frank actually had run-ins with the law that were likely either prompted by or exacerbated by the fact that he had an accent and didn't present as American in the way that, you know, people in parts of the country that he was traveling through expected. Um, although it, it seems that he was not terribly daunted by, by these experiences. <laughs> um, it's difficult to say. I've read so many biographies and so many um, texts about uh, Frank's American's trip. And I still don't know if he was arrested three or four times. It's difficult to say. And yes, he was most often just uh, detained for uh, the crime of looking different, uh, sounding different, looking a little too Jewish in some ways. Um, It didn't stop him. What it did was really sharpen his critique. Um, He talks about how if you had to identify the political element in his work. It's that people are taking taken advantage of. That there are people in power and there are people without any power. And these experiences sharpened his eye for both. He really had empathy, not sympathy, but empathy for the everyday man for those lacking power, lacking connections, lacking social standing. And he really aimed his critique at those with money, with power, who kept, you know, the everyday person at the margins. And he writes after, especially one of his um, arrests specifically about that. Well, I wonder if we can wrap up that you know this is a obviously a um not a visual format but you've spent so much time with these images and you know each one is wonderful in its way but i want to ask you to pick one photo in the book in the exhibition by each artist and describe it and talk about why for you it's emblematic of each artist's vision as he expressed it through the through these pro- projects I think this one really, this comparison really highlights uh, these artists and their point of view best. Um, And it's Robert Frank's City Fathers from Hoboken, New Jersey, um, compared to Todd Webb's Safety Day Parade in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And so the same thing, we can imagine the same thing is happening in both of these photos, that there's some sort of community celebration, a parade is happening. It's all about 
um, celebrating those ideas, those ideologies of Americanness, right? Um, that were community, and you can see the flags in both of the photos, and everything's wonderful. But for Frank, he aims his camera again at those in power. So he's standing on the ground and is shooting upward um, at kind of a stage or a riser where all of these city fathers are posed in a line, each one of them with their top hats and nice jackets and kind of just literally and physically positioned above the crowd. And again, he takes it from the point of view of the average citizen standing on the ground, looking up at these people. And he captures the moment when one of these city fathers is kind of making a kiss face or just really something ridiculous. And it gives you a bit of the creeps, um, which is what Frank wanted you to think about. He wanted you to be a little offended at these people in power who set themselves apart up on these um, platforms or risers. And Webb instead, um, looking at his uh, community celebration, is down on the street in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Um, he's shooting this safety um, parade, all these school children talking about uh, safety procedures. And they're all marching down this kind of typical Main Street USA, um, looking very proud about being in this parade. But Webb, again, with that kind of wink-wink humor that he looked for, um, has captured the girl at the front um, in the foreground of the picture, just looking as bored and over it. <laughs> as you could possibly imagine. And she makes direct eye contact with him. And it's just this hilarious moment where the facade of all of this kind of falls away. Yeah, it's ridiculous that we parade around celebrating some ideal. Um, and she knows it even at this young age. And uh, Webb, you know, I guess it, it's his uh, doppelganger there in the scene. Ah, uh, That is brilliant. Thank you for that. Uh, and thank you for your time and your insights into these remarkable photographs from mid-century. Thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure. America and Other Myths, photographs by Robert Frank and Todd Webb, 1955, is on view at the Museum of Fine Arts Houston until January 7th, 2024. And from there, it will travel to the Addison Gallery of American Art at Phillips Academy in Andover, Massachusetts, where it will be up from February 10th until July 30th, 2024. And after that, it will go to the Brandywine Museum of Art in Chadsford, Pennsylvania, and be on view from February 8th until May 4th, 2025. I hope that everyone listening has a chance to see the exhibition. I hope that everyone listening has a chance to look at this incredible book, which is available now, also titled America and Other Myths. It's available in bookstores and online. Thank you for listening, and please visit us online at yalebooks.com for more episodes of our podcast, as well as information about all of our books.